Hey, welcome to the Life Church Green Bay podcast. It's our mission to lead the way in bringing the life giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We are so glad that you're here. If this is your first time joining us, would you connect with us? We want to do life with you, and there are so many ways we can do that from wherever you are in the world. You can get connected with us and other Jesus people in one of our Facebook groups by joining us for an online service every Sunday or connecting with people through life groups and pocket churches. To learn how to get connected and find your pocket, please go to lifechurchgreenbay.com. Again, so glad you're here with us today. Here's this week's message. Hello, friends. How are you? My, uh, I showed my 16-year-old that video, and she said, Whoa, it's you with a trap beat behind you. It's what I always dreamed of. Uh, my name's Matt. I'm a Messianic rabbi in uh, Seattle. And, uh, you know, Pastor Sean and I met uh, in Jerusalem over falafel. And there's an old saying, a friendship that starts over falafel in Jerusalem lasts forever. That's not actually true. I just made that saying up. But um, I really love your pastors. I know you you do too. Uh, Pastor Sean and Pastor Sonny are honestly uh, two of the most generous people I've ever met and um, have uh, encouraged myself and my wife, Laura, Um, in really tremendous ways. So it's really an honor and a blessing to be with you. I'll tell you up front that I'm a Seahawks fan because I'm from Seattle. Um, And if uh, that makes you upset, grow up. (laughs) And uh, though I'm a rabbi, I do feel like Pastor Sean's beard is more rabbinic than mine. Um, So... I'm going to say some things today that possibly you've never heard before. I've checked them all with your pastors. They're okay with it. Uh, If anything I say upsets you, email them. (laughs) And, uh, but we trust each other because we're family. Um, And uh, today we're going to talk about why Jewish context matters. There is a context to the scriptures that is first Jewish in origin, Um, and we're going to put some Jewish context back into the person of Jesus. We're going to put Jewish context back into the New Testament. Some people treat the New Testament like it's the Christian Bible, and the Old Testament is, or the Hebrew Scriptures, but the truth is, they're all the Hebrew Scriptures, including the New Testament, uh, because there's only one story, and it's a story that continues um, even into today. Context is everything. So the place we have to start with context is, well, how we think Jesus looks. He does not look like this guy. Picture, yeah. He definitely doesn't look like that guy. I don't know. This is like sexy Jesus with a baby. I don't know where that one even... There's like too many things. But he probably looks like, more like that guy. You know, olive-skinned, dark beard. Uh, For some reason, he's blonde and blue-eyed, but if you've ever been to the Middle East, there are not a lot of blonde-haired, blue-eyed people there because they would get burnt all the time. 
like lobsters, which we can't eat because they're not kosher, but <laughs> people say to me, I preached at a church one time and uh, came down off the stage and somebody said, I'm so excited because I've never met a rabbi before. And I said, yes, you have. Amen. I have? I said, yeah, you pray to one. Right? Anybody? It's not clicking. You got... <laughs> I'm originally from New York. I need people to say amen. I need people to like interact. If you don't laugh at my jokes, this is going to be awful. Okay, so we got to kind of roll together. So when we talk about context, uh, I figure we go back to the basics. And to me, the basics are Dr. Seuss. Now, I I couldn't eat grain eggs and ham because, well, of the ham, but um, it's Can I just read my favorite passage for you from Green Eggs and Ham? Is that okay? Okay. It's uh, on page uh, 46 for those who are following along. (laughs) I could not, would not on a boat. I will not, will not with a goat. I will not eat them in the rain. I will not eat them on a train. Not in the dark, not in a tree, not in a car. You let me be. I do not like them in a box. I do not like them with a fox. I will not eat them in a house. I do not like them with a mouse. I do not like them here or there. I do not like them anywhere. Let's pray to end. Just kidding. (laughs) If you look up the meaning of green eggs and ham on the Googles, you will find all kinds of crazy things. I know some of you have told your children that the point of green eggs and ham is that you have to try something before you say you don't like, right? It's the reason why we read it to our kids, like they won't eat the thing we want them to eat, and we're like, okay, so green eggs and ham, right? And if you look, there's also, here's some of what people say. Obviously, the meaning of green eggs and ham that most people know is you'll never know you don't like it until you try it. Uh, One guy said it's a reference to white Americans' unwillingness to accept black people, One said it was the portrayal of early Marxism. In fact, uh, it was uh, made illegal in China. And uh, one guy said it's a very sophisticated theology of an incarnational non-dual spirituality, which the book acting as a modern retelling of great spiritual texts. (laughs) You didn't know, did you? Can I tell you what Green Eggs and Ham is really about from Dr. Seuss himself? Nothing. (laughs) Green Eggs and Ham was a $50 bet. He had already written The Cat in the Hat, and The Cat in the Hat has 250 words. And his publisher bet him $50 that he couldn't write a children's book with only 50 words. That's why we have Green Eggs and Ham. There is no meaning to Green Eggs and Ham. It doesn't matter what you think it means, there's no meaning. I know some of you are thinking, what are the 50 words? So let me tell you, A, M, and anywhere, R, B, boat, box, car, could, dark, do, eat, eggs, fox, goat, good, green, ham, here, house, I, if, in, let, like, may, me, mouse, not, on, or, rain, Sam, say, see, so, thank, that, they, them, their, the, train, tree, try, will, with, would, you. In fact, only one word in green eggs and ham is more than one syllable. This is actually the genius of Dr. Seuss is that he created a book with 50 words and they're all one syllable words except for the word anywhere. It's much smarter than it seems. But here's the bottom line. If people can confuse the context of a 50 word children's book that has no meaning, 
How much more can you confuse the 66 books that are written over a thousand years by over 40 authors that are from different places and different times and in different languages than the language we speak? How much more can we mess up the context of the thing that we say is most important to us if we don't understand the context? of where it comes from and who it was written to and when they spoke and knowing the difference between when Abraham lived and Isaiah lived and Jesus lived and the different cultures and the worlds that they are each a part of, so many years apart, that is so different from ours. So the bottom line today is the Jewishness of Jesus, his practice of Judaism is a part of who he is. And the more we can go back to understand the Jewish context of Jesus, the deeper our relationship, Jew or Gentile, will go with Jesus. So today, I'm just going to give you three points why Jewish context matters. The first is Jesus is not a Christian. There's two reasons for this. He can't follow himself, and he's Jewish. It's not even that Jesus was Jewish. It's that he still currently is Jewish and sits at the right hand of the Father and is still very much alive. And people ask often, how can you be Jewish and believe in Jesus? And it's funny because the the disciples of Jesus could have never imagined a question. In fact, in the book of Acts, they ask the opposite question. The flip of the question is not, how can you be Jewish and believe in Jesus? The question is, how can someone be a Gentile and believe in Jesus? It's a totally different world, and it's foreign to what the disciples would have understood, that they saw him as a fulfillment of everything God promised to the Jewish people, and also to everyone from every nation. So Gentile is kind of a funny word. For our context today, it just means not Jewish. It's translated as nations. It's the nations. God separated the Jewish people from the nations and made the Jewish people. He didn't choose us from among people that were already made. He formed us as a people with a specific purpose. That's actually what we're chosen for. People seem to know that the Jewish people are chosen. Even Jewish people know the Jewish people are chosen. But I've asked other Jewish people, do you know what we're chosen for? And everyone says, well, no, you're just chosen. (laughs) Well, it's kind of tough to understand yourself if you just think you're chosen and you don't know what you're chosen for. But the Jewish people are chosen to be a light to the Gentiles. We're supposed to bring blessing to the Gentiles. And really, Christian is from Greek. It it just means follower of Christ. As a Messianic Jew, it's the same thing. Messianic is from Hebrew, and it means follower of Messiah. They're the same thing, uh, but they're different spaces. And God created two distinctions in creation. He separated male and female, but called them his image together. And in the same sense, he separates Jewish people from Gentile people, not because one is better than the other, not because one is more chosen than the other, not because one is more special than the other, but for a purpose and a plan of bringing the whole world back to himself. That's the design. By design, 
Judaism is for Jewish people. I know this is like, you guys flew him in for this? <laughs> Christianity is Judaism for Gentiles. Uh, my dad is Jewish, my mom is Italian, and she was raised Roman Catholic, like many of you. And uh, speaking of Italians, my grandma, who at the end of her life had dementia, was very much uh, Italian. Uh, I was sitting with her in uh, St. Francis uh, nursing home, and, uh, and she said, do you know who the two greatest Italians who ever lived are? And I said, who? And this is who she said, Fra- Frank Sinatra and Jesus. <laughs> I said, Grandma, nobody's going to argue the Frank Sinatra part at this point in history, but... Jesus is an Italian. What? (laughs) He never even went to Rome. Like he never, okay, doesn't matter. Uh, So what's funny is there's like white Jesus and there's black Jesus and there's uh, Korean Jesus and there's Jesus for every culture. And it's human nature to want to uh, impose our image on him, but that's not actually how it works. He is a person who is also God but he is still a person. And if we want to have a relationship with a person, we have to know about them. We have to know about their people and their history and why they do the things that they do, why they choose the things that they choose. And it's human to try to make everything look like us. But during his time on earth, Jesus never spoke English. Some of you have never thought that before. He spoke Hebrew, Aramaic, some Greek, probably some Latin. He lived in the land of Israel as an observant Jew and rabbi. He never visited the United States because it didn't exist yet. And the furthest he ever traveled from home was Egypt. He was an observant Jew. He kept all the commandments required of him. He celebrated the Sabbath. He attended synagogue. He prayed in the temple in Jerusalem on Jewish holidays. He never ate unclean food, and he still wouldn't. He's okay with you eating unclean food, and he'd sit at the table with you. But if you served him, he'd say, could you pass the broccoli? That's, it's not because he's upset. It's just because it's a part of who we are. His parents were also observant Jews who circumcised him on the eighth day and brought him to Jerusalem to the temple and offered the prescribed sacrifice after his mother's days of purification were over. And they named him a Hebrew name, Jesus. (laughs) Just kidding, Yeshua. Yeshua literally means salvation. It's actually, you know, from Christmas, Matthew 1 and verse 21 uh, in the ESV says, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Well, the problem is he never heard the name Jesus in his lifetime because again, if you're taking notes, he doesn't speak English. He didn't speak English. I mean, he does now, but (laughs) on earth, because his family and his friends and everyone around him spoke Hebrew. I'm confident he's used to hearing Jesus now, but he did not hear it in his lifetime on earth because his name's Yeshua. If you look at a a Jewish translation, uh, it says she will give a birth to a son and you shall call his name Yeshua for he will save his people from his sins. Well, to a Jewish person hearing it, when we hear the word Yeshua, we know it means salvation. And what it actually says is you will call his name salvation for he will save his people. 
it fits. His name is salvation because that's what he's gonna do. He will save his people. Who are his people? His people are the Jewish people first. When the shepherds saw the angels and they sang Gloria in excelsis Deo, do you really think they sang in Latin? Because the shepherds wouldn't have understood what they were singing if it was in Latin. You guys know the bracelets. Some of you are wearing them. What would Jesus do? I, I brought a, went to a church youth group, and I brought the bracelet home to show my dad, who's also a, a rabbi in New York. Um, and he said, what is that? I said, you know, it's a question you're supposed to ask yourself in every given situation. What would Jesus do? And my dad said, you know what the answer to that question is? I was like, no, what? He'd go to synagogue. <laughs> That's what he'd do. When I was 16 in 10th grade, my, uh, my um, uh, teacher, social studies teacher, put up this chart uh, on the board. It said uh, Judaism and Christianity. Uh, and uh, under, under Judaism, she put the Ten Commandments, and under Christianity, she put love your neighbor as yourself. <clears throat> and I was uh, 16, and I raised my hand. I said, uh, you can't do that. And she said, why? I said, well, love your neighbors yourself is from Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 16, which is in the Torah. And uh, what Christian do you know doesn't keep the Ten Commandments? And she went, oh. <laughs> right, like there's, there's this shift that has to happen in our brains for Jewish context, that the Jewishness of Jesus, his practice of Judaism is a part of who he is. And the more we can go back to understand the Jewish context of Jesus, the deeper our relationship will go, Jew or Gentile, with Jesus. So Jesus is not a Christian. Jewish context, Jesus is not a Christian. The second point is Jesus is for everyone. Genesis 12, verse 2, when God makes a covenant with Abraham, he says, my heart's desire is to make you into a great nation, to bless you and to make your name great so that you may be a blessing. My desire is to bless those who bless you, but whoever curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now, there's this idea of priesthood, which is not like when you say priesthood, you think a Catholic priest the truth is a lot of the, well, the best things from Catholicism were taken from Judaism. And the Catholic priest is not the kind of priest that operated in ancient Israel. Uh, priests are a blessing to the people. Why? Well, because they seek God on behalf of the people and they make sacrifices for the people. It's a blessing to the people. And they're separated out from the rest of the people. The tribe of Levi is one of 12 tribes, but Levi is the only tribe that are the priests. There are specific commandments that are only for priests. There are specific things that only the priests are supposed to do. There's a, a separation. And Abraham was separated from the nations in order to bless the Gentiles. His descendants, the Jewish people, are separated out from the Gentiles to be a blessing to Gentiles. Levi separated from the 11 tribes to be a blessing to the rest of Israel. And you are supposed to function in a similar way with your own people and with your own families. That we are separated out in order to be a blessing. 
See, Jewish people are supposed to, according to the scripture, the mandate for us in scripture is to bring Gentiles back to God. And you who are Gentiles are to bring your people and families back to God. And so some of you will bring Jewish people back to God, but the design is if we're all doing what we're supposed to do, then God heals the whole world. It's a design, but in the design, the order matters and patterns matter because, well, Jesus is for everyone. That's why Paul says in Romans 1 and verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Why is the gospel first to the Jew? Because in the first century, we're the only ones who would have understood. If they stood in a town square of a Gentile city, and said, the Messiah has come and the prophecies have been fulfilled. They would have said, what's the Messiah? And what prophecies are you referencing? But when they spoke to a Jewish audience, they could go through all of these things because there was an expectation of who we were waiting for and what he had to do. The gospels to the Jew first because we are supposed to understand because of the covenants that God made with our fathers, how he fulfills those covenants. And then our responsibility and mandate that God gave us as a people is to bless the nations. People say all the time, Jews you know, denied Christ or the Jews killed Christ or all of these things that are just silly because first of all, the majority never does what they're supposed to do. But there is a minority of Jewish people that starts with 12 disciples who go and preach the gospel to the whole world. Tim Mackey from the Bible Project says about the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, he says it's a prophetic interpretation of Israel's history that reveals God's purpose to rescue the whole world. And Jesus takes the Hebrew scriptures that he knew and grew up with, and he carries the story forward in the gospels. And they, the gospels tell the story of Yeshua and the book of Acts tells the story of the disciples and them preaching. It's, it's a pattern of that the Jewish disciples of Yeshua took so seriously that Thomas went to India and Matthew went to Ethiopia and Andrew went to Greece and James stayed in Jerusalem and Matthias preached to the whole coast of the Caspian Sea and Thaddeus went to modern day Lebanon. Why did they go where they went? Because they understood their mission and their mandate was to go tell everyone that the gods you worship are no gods at all. And that there's only one God who created the heavens and the earth. And that one God who created the heavens and the earth is the God of Israel, the God of the Jewish people, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of David, who sent his descendant, Yeshua, to save us so that we could tell the whole world that you will only find salvation in one name. doesn't matter what language you say his name in. There's only one name under heaven. Judaism is for Jewish people, and by design, Christianity is Judaism for Gentiles, and order matters. So I, I hope this is okay. If it's not, I don't know. I took one of uh, Pastor Sean's Bibles from the back, and um, I'm going to tear a page out of it, and I, I'll show you why. It's okay, because this page is not inspired by the Holy Spirit. If you uh, flip to the, uh, the end of Malachi, which... For in the Christian order, you know, there's a Jewish order of the Old Testament. The Jewish order of the Old Testament is different than the Christian order. There's three parts to the Hebrew scriptures. There's the Torah, the prophets, and the writings. What ends 
the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament in the Jewish order is Second Chronicles. The reason why Second Chronicles is the end is, is a summary of the whole history of Israel. And there's this page then, what happens in most Bibles is they stop the presses and then there's a blank page on the back of Malachi and then there's a page that says the New Testament and then it's blank and then Matthew starts. The problem is that doesn't belong there because it's a literal separation of a story. The separation doesn't belong. It's one story that continues from the prophets and the writings into the person of Yeshua that because of the way we are taught things and understand things, we don't even realize that there is a page of separation. I hope his Bible doesn't fall apart, but that that page of separation doesn't belong. And if we understand Jewish context, we understand that the reason why Matthew starts with a genealogy is because it matters to us where he comes from. It matters that he is from the seed of Abraham. It matters that he was circumcised on the eighth day. It matters that he's the son of David. He fulfills all the promises that God has made to the Jewish people in us. The Jewishness of Jesus, his practice of Judaism, is a part of who he is. And the more we can go back and understand the Jewish context of Jesus, the deeper our relationship, Jew or Gentile will go with Jesus. Jesus is not a Christian. Jesus is for everyone. The last point is Jesus never said anything new. And uh, I wrote a book called (laughs) Jesus Never Said Anything New. And actually, the picture on the back of it was taken by Pastor Scott in the exchange here in Green Bay. Um, he takes great pictures if you're looking for somebody to take pictures. Um, and um, I have three copies of my book. I was thinking about throwing them, but only because as a Seahawk fan, I want to hit Green Bay fans in the face. <laughs> so I'm just going to leave these here, and, and you, can, uh, you can come grab one if you want it. You can grab it right now if you're that excited about it, but if not... You can, yeah, my man, thank you. Okay, uh, it's also available on Amazon. And here's the thing. I found that with a lot of Christians, when I say Jesus never says anything new, the response, get it, girl, good job. <laughs> the response to people is, no, he definitely said something new. In fact, I think really how people respond, and maybe some of you are feeling it on the inside, he, he had to say something new. And what I came here to tell you is the reason why it's important that Jesus never said anything new is because everything he said was in context to the Jewish scriptures and the Jewish people. Nobody ever says of Jesus in the gospels, wow, that's amazing. I've never heard anyone say that before. That's not their response. Nobody says, hey, this is totally brand new and different from Judaism. We should start a new religion called Christianity. Nobody responds that way. In fact, the way they respond is in Matthew 7 and verse 28. When Jesus finished these sayings, the crowd were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as the scribes. I'm originally from New York. I say authority instead of authority. So it's a form of tongues that comes from New York. 
My wife told me I have to explain that to people because nobody knows what authority is, but it's his, he spoke with authority, not as a scribe. Matthew 1 verse 21 says, similarly, they went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching for he taught them as one who had authority, not as the scribes. A.W. Tozer says it this way, uh, Jesus never spoke in opinions. Okay, in Judaism, you have a variety of opinions and sometimes we have a verse and two rabbis believe the very opposite things of that verse and both are probably right. It's a little different from Christianity where this plus this equals this, that makes you an Orthodox Christian. But in Judaism, there is, well, this guy says this, you've seen Filler on the Roof, I'm sure. On the one hand and on the other, this is how it works. One rabbi says this, one rabbi says that. We're not entirely sure, but they could probably both be right. Jesus steps into conversations and says, let me tell you what I meant when I wrote it and gave it to Moses. Right, the authority with which he spoke is what was fascinating to people because not only is he a man and not only was he a rabbi and a Jewish person who lived in Israel, but he's also the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in flesh. And so when he spoke, people were frustrated, not by the content. The content of what he said was no different than any other rabbi. What is the two greatest commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. The first is from Deuteronomy, the second is from Leviticus. Even when he says, I give you a new commandment, it's not new. He says, I give you a new commandment, love each other. Why is it? But you already told, we already know that. Yeah, but you're not doing it. So it's new because you're not doing it. So do it and then it won't be new anymore. I don't know if you realize that the New Testament is actually 2000 years old, which is not new. It's old. In fact, it's as old as the Old Testament was when Jesus was here. It's older. The the issues are not old and new. The issue is not whether he said anything new. Jesus is not an innovator who did new things. He steps in and says, I'm the one you were waiting for. I'm the one that fulfills everything you hoped for, that the Jewish people hoped for. I'm the one who who spoke to Moses face to face when the cloud descended into the tabernacle in the wilderness. I'm the one who broke Jacob's hip when we wrestled. If he's the visible image of the invisible God, the Father and the Spirit have no image outside of the person of Jesus. Even before Jesus came to earth, it's the pre-incarnate Jesus. Anybody who spoke to God as a man spoke to Jesus because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. How could he be the same yesterday, today, and forever? if everything he says is new. The better story, the story that the text actually tells, it is he had nothing new to say. And that's exactly why he is who he is. Because everything he did had a context and a purpose and a reason and things that he spoke to intentionally that only Jewish people would understand because then he gave us a mandate to go and tell the whole world. If Jesus starts a new religion, if Jesus starts a new people, if Jesus divorces the Jewish people and remarries another woman called the church, if Jesus makes a new covenant with someone else other than the Jewish people, if his content 
is new and he doesn't follow the Hebrew tradition of revelation, then he cannot be the same yesterday, today, and forever. But the truth is, he's exactly the same as he always has been. And if we can understand context, the Jewishness of Jesus, his practice of Judaism, it's a part of who he is. And the more we can go back to understand the Jewish context of Jesus, the deeper our relationship, Jew or Gentile, will go with Jesus. Jesus is not a Christian. Jesus is for everyone. Jesus never said anything new. He is the king of the Jewish people, as it said in mockery over his cross. But he is also the king of, king, king of kings and lord of lords of everyone from every nation who calls on the name of Jesus or Jesus. Those are all the languages I know. Yeshua. <laughs> and if you haven't called on the name of Jesus before, today's your day. The, the better story is that he has never changed. He's been saying the same thing for 4,000 years of Jewish history since he showed up to Abraham and made a promise that his descendants would bless the nations. Any Gentile in this room who believes in Jesus believes because the Jewish people did what they were supposed to do, even if it only started with 12 guys. And it's an openness and a willingness. God doesn't care how you identify yourself. He is here for every male and every female, for every Jew and every Gentile. He created you to call you back to himself. He loves you. He likes you. We talk about getting into God's presence, but the more fascinating thing is he wants to be in mine. He wants to be with you and sit with you and dream with you and bless you. He designed this order and this pattern to bring you back to himself so that you can do the work of bringing other people back to him as well. I'm gonna pray for you. Oh, look, there goes the New Testament pages blowing <laughs> off the stage. It's a move of the spirit. Uh, I'm gonna pray for you. And as I pray, Pastor Sonny's uh, gonna come and share a few things. And uh, I'd love for you to stick around because um, after the offering, I'm gonna come back and, and uh, chant a benediction, which you're familiar with, but chant it in Hebrew. Um, and I, it's really gonna bless you. So I'd love the opportunity to bless you uh, after these things. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for who you've called us to be. We thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to understand who you are so we can understand who we are and the things that you have called us to do as your people. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us this week. Did you know we have discussion questions for each message? You can download them and talk it over with your friends and family. Go to lifechurchgreenbay.com to download today.